chapter fifteen of transition this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. transition by emma francis brooke chapter fifteen it was one of d'auvernay's stock remarks that sheridan and his friends were the worst enemies anarchism had in england and it was obviously true the home office itself the police the racial instinct of the people against foreign theoretical importations were as nothing compared to the penetrating effect which a rapid spread amongst the working classes of sheridan's hopeful synthetic method produced on the anarchist cause it is those parliamentary socialists said the frenchman with bitter scorn who are our irreconcilable foes in england for they disarm the people's hate of the government by their programme of energetic reform to call any one a parliamentary socialist was in the mouth of an anarchist equivalent to naming him traitor to add that he was successful was to mark him as an adroit self-seeker and schemer the theory of the anarchist demanded a clean erasure and he who occupied himself with merely modifying and improving a present system set himself in these uncompromising eyes on the side of the oppressor against the oppressed écraser l'infâme everything is at an end those were the capital notes of d'auvernay's creed but sheridan was already a success and his ideas were already in the swing of actuality it appeared to himself simply to have happened so because events had continued to go as he had perceived that they were going the genius of sheridan lay in his accurate prevision of the trend of circumstance and in the swiftest possible instinct after the feel of things it was simply owing to his possessing a mind imbued and dyed with the intrinsic humour of his age that he touched public affairs with such an inspiration of common sense though to men who were more abroad than he was this speed and accuracy were inexplicable to a section his rapid and faithful building his power of synthesis was voted mere adroitness to a vulgar type it became interested scheming sheridan his teeth set as it were to the heart of the day and every nerve athrill with the hunt scarcely paused to consider the effect of his own personality on the various judgments of others he took the good and the bad the praise and the blame as it came and never lost his head in the issue a strong and wholesome streak of humility saved him from too exalted an estimate of his own importance and preserved certain valuable characteristics that kept him the affection of his friends scarcely a man was ever so faithfully beloved of his immediate associates and that in a circle noted for a firm loyalty in friendship 
lucilla herself in her moments of darkest uneasiness was acutely conscious of the claims of an extremely strong friendship the point of anguish in her growing intellectual apostasy being its complication with this feeling of personal allegiance unfortunately the need for a striking martyrology was strong with her and nothing was less like a martyr than sheridan's bearing of joyous militancy success of any sort in the present condition of society was banned in her eyes as an evil thing particularly a success dealing with established and legal means for was not such success a mere new manifestation of authority a change in the picture might be taking place but the old frame rimmed it the frame which had rimmed every possible iniquity under the sun after the scene in the park lucilla silently dropped all intercourse and active work with sheridan and his circle of the socialist party that incident marked for her the termination of an exceedingly happy half-year of life full of freshly springing flowers of friendship and association an arid wind of doubt and distrust had destroyed it and once more she was in revolt d'auvernay and his friends now became constant companions of her leisure moments and such time as she could spare from the scrupulous performance of her duties was devoted to the study of anarchism of anarchism that is of the ultra foreign type d'auvernay was a man of passionate sincerity indeed he had undergone suffering and imprisonment for his cause this went a long way with any one as apt to interpret sincerity in terms of martyrdom as lucilla was he was of course delighted with his convert finding it a very interesting and soothing task to expound his doctrines to this clear sensitive nature the soul-moving delicacy of the small face the girl's face with its large seriousness of lips and brows lent an additional thrill to a dogma that is always emotional and the fire of responsiveness in her dreaming eyes when he called on her to revolt invariably kindled new ardours in his own the situation was critical and dangerous it was a tinder spark of wildest and most explosive nature upon which the foreigner breathed in the heart of a girl whose english training left her curiously ignorant though delicately free and whose courage and power of self-devotion far outstripped both her physical strength and her intellectual capacity of resistance with all this the personal attraction of d'auvernay for lucilla was small in her absorption with his ideas she seemed to pass him over and looking on to the vision beyond him miss a sensible perception of the man who conveyed it it was his theory not him at which she gazed and even this was dimly seen though gloriously and as through a mist for a veil as it were of the older habit of thought and instruction fell over the vision just when she thought that she might penetrate to the end and catch the clear outline of meaning to the full satisfaction of her soul and intellect again always the complete glow of her heart's adhesion was hindered by that wandering and reproachful reminiscence of paul and his influence 
which would cut across the impulse in the very moment of final self-surrender and arrest it so far indeed lucilla had only trembled on the brink d'auvernay liked best to instruct her through the records of his own history i have been in revolt he said to her ever since i was a child at school and my heart was first fired by being witness of the injustice of a master to a schoolfellow the injustice even when discovered was not atoned for it was passed over in order that authority might be upheld from that hour i began to question what was this authority and what use did it answer i found that everywhere when examined into it answered only the uses of injustice and oppression its more harmless manifestations aimed at least at curtailing and hindering spontaneity at cutting off the way between natural impulse and action what even apart from those crying instances where authority is elevated into a system is the good of a series of formulas and rules mademoiselle i protest i have never once in my life arrived at handling a real living truth but that i have smashed some accepted convention on the head beforehand you see he said our obedience to conventionality forces us into cruelty in the most primitive parts of our existence the doctors have laid down certain laws about our primitive appetite for food and in our obedience to a conventional idea we think we are justified in paying our butchers for unspeakable atrocities the lamb led to the slaughter-house is not the worst of these yet formerly innocent creatures were sacrificed to just some such conventional notion about acceptable religion the jewish god being represented by priestly authority as a fiend snuffing up blood with his nostrils all that until the prophets revolted against the priests religion has everywhere in every country taken on the form of demanding from the individual sacrifice and again sacrifice and sacrifice from age to age government has meant to the masses of the people authoritative wickedness and legal injustice and throughout human history all this cowardly oppression of spirit and of body has figured mademoiselle as necessary order but mark you you will find invariably that the next age sick at the result has risen in rebellion against the necessary and has broken it up do you not see mademoiselle that it is impossible for you to seek or to find your own true individuality until you have broken up and rescued yourself from all formulas in the same way an oppressed people can only rescue themselves by a final and complete revolt and you whose compassionate heart cannot endure to take part in a society and a government whose very existence implies a languishing host of the outcast and condemned you mademoiselle will throw in your lot with the revolting and oppressed people you will join in crushing infamy it is the only remedy 
this was very different from paul's talk it was extremely inspiring strictly logical and rounded off to so plain and comprehensive a finish that it commended itself to a perplexed soul out of its mere simplicity now paul if she had met and spoken to him would have been sure to have attempted to allay her turbulent thinking by something excruciatingly practical and irrelevant lucilla this physician of the sick would have remarked have you any time to spare to help us the county council elections are going to be fought hard she could see in imagination the rapid decision in speech and gesture the prompt extinction of high-flying emotions under the sheer impetus of a strong mind alert for the next common-sense duty but to d'auvernay the very conception of a council even though conducted by progressive archangels would have sufficed to turn him blue the quality of the authority hardly made a change in his main position what more right has an angel to command me than a devil he would have said there was no fierceness in d'auvernay's appearance he had an extremely gentle and habitually considerate manner and the expression of his countenance was mild and inviting he had none of paul's rapid decisiveness nor of littleton's brusqueness neither of these men came near to adopting such a fascinating courtesy of demeanour as d'auvernay's the truth is it was more than courtesy it was a genuine deference to the individuality in another to the precious gift of the ego everywhere breathing in his habitual bearing do as you will was the final note of d'auvernay's dogma and his slightest gesture was an encouragement to the enterprise in others in truth it is magnificent advice with a splendour of impossibility within it the apprehension of its profound reach and profounder difficulty does not exactly lie on the surface of so simple a phrase but let those who call this comprehensive instruction mere claptrap try to put it into practice for even so short a period as a single day for the rest d'auvernay was a tall man of handsome features and colouring his face did not possess quite the chiselled regularity of a handsome englishman there was a slightly exaggerated arch in the nose and the carving of the nostrils and jaw wanted perfect finish but the outline more than passed muster and his dark soft eyes were splendid with free and well-marked brows above them then he possessed a fine moustache and a clear olive-tinted skin his carriage was not defiant but of a gentle resolute dignity as of one conscious of no spot on earth worth so much as the one his own foot pressed his smile was beautiful and it was accompanied by a pleasant glimmer of perfect teeth to a surface psychologist it may appear a marvel that so fine a personality with the moment all his own should have obtained no greater empire over an ignorant young girl like lucilla than was the case it being necessary to her nature to cast the halo of her illusions over some one head she selected for the purpose louise michel the picture of that strong-souled woman leading the insurgents to les invalides with a black flag as 
banner haunted her it was certainly an incident to catch a young girl's fancy that she thought was surely an historic moment such an act seemed almost commensurate with the burning ardour and capacity for devotion which she felt within herself and which she considered the proper normal condition of the socialist's heart she would spend hours in her lonely flat poring over louise michel's writings and those of kindred anarchists her hot cheeks resting on her small white hands and her eyes feverishly searching from page to page of the foreign tongue for some confirmatory sentence which should throw the vague premonitions of her heart into distinctness and outline and bring her intellectual inquiry to some delicious full stop of assurance the strange thing was that she never found it nothing ever stood out to her so clearly that she could feel she had given it full mental acquiescence there were meteoric flashes of light but they were lost as soon as conceived and her mental condition passed again into nothing more distinct than a nebulous confused emotion gradually a chill followed on the first glow this abortive intellectual search was dogged by fears and presentiments and a sense of being alone then came a dull and habitual ache of the heart at lost companionship it was something that rose with her in the morning and lay down with her at night it had not the power to influence or shake her for of what worth is the companionship of the body when souls are apart but natural feeling had its way sometimes she would leave her book suddenly casting away with a sense of disgust the very ideas that had enthralled her a moment before and pacing up and down her lonely chamber would conjure up to her fancy vivid presentments of her socialist friends to these she would talk silently from the mind long conversations they were full of entreaty argument meek self-confession passionate upbraiding promises and return finally she would pause before sheridan's portrait at this she would gaze long and fixedly her hands loosely clasped her figure in its simple clinging gown the very exponent of strength in slightness posed gracefully and motionless thus she would stand and looking at the portrait she would fancy it became indeed an invariable idea connected with it that from the silent picture some influence of reproach and recall came out towards her but paul she would say gently in an effort at a poor and hungry consolation i have not left you and the others yet i am only trying and testing to see where the truth lies i daren't come back till i am sure of myself when i do come back i shall find that you also have got hold of more truth there won't be such chasms between us after this i am sure it is the same road we are on one day one day it will all be as before thus she went on holding herself apart from the old comradeship until the summer term had run out and the summer vacation was drawing to an end flying with rash determined feet down one path and dreaming that the old companions stood still even in moments that they followed and then one day the inevitable occurred circumstance informed her that as she had moved so had her companions moved also down ways of their own End of chapter fifteen